Hello everyone, you are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar and this is The World Without Words, joined live in studio right now by the one, the only, Jimmy of the album Leaf. Hello. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you are just about to do a show actually tonight, it's at the Observatory. Yes. Yes. Uh, What kind of set are we expecting this evening? Um, Well, musically, uh, most of the... Most of the new record, um, but we still blend in a lot of the past catalog, you know, the last uh, 15 years of records. So um, it's a it's a big blend, though. I mean, but we still try to throw in the quote-unquote favorites and sure. stuff like that. Um, you know, the songs that will never die, those of kinds course. of things. But, um, yeah, so um, big mix of, of songs, essentially. Um, something from every record. And... Also, we have a whole new kind of production set up and backdrop mm. and um, kind of just like a nice kind of flowing um, scrim scenario. Just kind of, I don't know, look it up. It's, it's a very pretty presentation, I guess I would say. So, All right. Well, you mentioned your new, uh, your new stuff. So let's talk a little bit about that. Your newest release, of course, Between Waves, came out kind of the tail end of August and uh, comes after a pretty long break from your previous album. But, you know, I think... Oftentimes, artists are kind of just quick to pump out the next release. They keep that kind of stream going for uh, for inspiration and stuff. And I think that sometimes some of their products can be compromised as a result. So do you think that the six years between the two albums, has it affected the quality of Between Waves? Um, well, the thing, I mean, so we, we did an EP in 2012. Um, I did a soundtrack. I also released a soundtrack in 2012. I've been very musically busy um, since then, and I'm also just kind of very, I guess, productive at the same time, too, so I have a lot of music, but when it comes time to, like, deciding what is an album leaf, what becomes an album leaf record um, out of that pool of things, then, I mean, it's very, like, there's, you know... It's like got to be the top of the crop for me of all the music that I have. So then, so yes, and then um, to answer your question, yes, that there's, it's it's more quality to me, um, specifically because I had no deadline. I had no, um, I had no deadline. So I kind of just like tweaked these songs forever and really kind of like we played them for a while and kind of figured them all out and um, had a different kind of way of like recording and, and the approach to it, uh, creating it. Um, yeah, I mean, I took time and I really thought long and hard, you know, about what the end result would be, so. It shows, it definitely shows in the final product, definitely. Uh, you know, you're, of course, very accomplished multi-instrumentalist. You've always been known to kind of be on, I feel like, the cutting edge of sounds and the progression of just your crap. Well, thanks. And, uh, this new work of yours, obviously, is even further of a departure for you from your previous works, what with the lack of the Rhodes piano, and, uh, you mentioned also being fully embracing the Ableton software. So, can you speak a bit on what it was like? (laughs) I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Um, what what was it like to say goodbye to the Rhodes, at least for this album, and, uh, how does it feel to kind of dive into what I'd call the digital C? Mm -hmm. Um, it's great. I mean, it's, the Rhodes is a beautiful instrument, and for sure is my sig- quote-unquote signature sound for you know many records um, up until this record, really. Um, and it's, I mean, when I first I, to go back when I first started doing album leaf, I was eighteen, nineteen years old. 
um, wow. that's 20 years ago you know, for me. So mm-hmm. uh, I did so many tours with that Rhodes piano, my same Rhodes piano. I've had the same one the entire time. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's like a human being. It's a person. It has a sound. It's like a way that, you know, I've totally have like found that like my niche with that, you know, the routing and the way it goes, the settings on the, you know, every to, to the T of like everything, like, like it's very particular. It's a very particular sound. Um, saying that, like it's, it doesn't fly overseas. Um, this is mm. kind of a long tangent, but it starts to make sense. <laughs> um, it doesn't fly anywhere, you know, so it stays here. So whenever we go anywhere, I always am forced to kind of rent something and mm. I'm always just really bummed and just kind of underwhelmed the entire time. Um, playing some roads that is not mine, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, like you make your food a certain way and then you have someone else start making it for you and it's just not the same. Sure. Uh, I, this may be bad enough, but, you know, it's just different. So because of that, I also, like, kind of started touring with a Nord um, that has a very good Rhodes um, sample that you can also dial in as well. So you can kind of, like, you take their sterile sample or whatever it is, their stock sample, and you can EQ it and drive it and do different things to kind of make it sound more your own. So I kind of dialed in my own sound that way. So I started touring with that. Um, obviously, that thing doesn't, a Nord doesn't weigh 150 pounds like a Rhodes <laughs> piano does. Sure. Um, and as I've gotten older, you know, it's like, I don't know, we used to tour with a lot of weight. Um, and, and then, you know, so basically, short story long, you know, throughout the process, too, I kind of started to... I had a lot of keyboards. I have a lot of um, analog sense that we used to tour with, all of those things. And within the last you know, four years of learn, learn using Ableton, I've just started sampling everything and started really being able to kind of like create really like extensive um, sample libraries of my studio, um, you know, without having to bring all of these said keyboards on the road. So that kind of just threw me down that road of, like, getting really inspired by all of that. And then also just writing songs purely based around all of those samples and different things. And I also felt, you know, also, I mean, it's time to do something different, too. After doing the same, you know, project for so long, you have to keep challenging yourself. And even with challenging yourself is challenging the, your listeners as well. I mean, I know that people are still kind of, challenged by my vocals you know so <laughs> things like that but i'm never going to stop doing it but i'm not going to have a whole record with vocals but i enjoy it you know so i'm going to do it and that's kind of the thing you know right there so it's just like i wanted to try to make a record that wasn't based on the things that were that my records were always based on you know so i just wanted to do something different and i felt like the most obvious way to do something different was to stay away from the roads as much as possible there's still some songs. I think there's only two or three songs that are roads based, New Soul and um and even at that it's like they're just like it's rhythmic, it's not the lead anymore, you know, right. it's still it's just kind of like the the, the, the rhythm. Well, you touched on vocals, that was one of the things I was gonna bring up. It's <coughs> sometimes it could be a point of contention, especially right. when you've been doing so much instrumental work as well. Some fans would of course seem to dig it a lot and other ones wouldn't be so receptive. So yeah. Uh, my questions would t- would be that what makes you decide to include vocals in a particular track, and how do you go about writing lyrics? And by that I mean, do the lyrics come first, and then the instruments follow, or is it vice versa? It's it's always vice versa. Um, and there's a there's a person that I've collaborated with vocally. Um, his name is Paul Jenkins. He's uh, you know was known for being the black Har- in the Black Harper session. Um, mm-hmm. 
another band through on pilot, another fellow San Diego guy that I've worked with for a long time. Um, and he and I kind of like, when I have a body of work or a record ready to go, I kind of like filter it through him to see what his thoughts are on vocal songs. Then I, of course, have my own ideas on what vocal songs are. And we kind of come together and... Um, as far as lyrically, just like when we're when we're when we are throwing out ideas, we just kind of when we or me or he whatever, you know, most people do it where they just kind of like do some kind of scratch thing and maybe utter and mutter some words and then mm. some kind of theme or some kind of word comes out and then you can kind of expand and um, upon you know just those words hmm. that are thrown out in you know just like a demo kind of like let me try something out sense and then take those words and then basically kind of morph it into and write it into something that makes you know that connects to you so i mean that's kind of how it's how how we do it um and i mean there's a handful of songs that i'm solely responsible responsible for lyrically um but for the most part i like to kind of i like to keep it a collaborative just kind of you know i don't know it's still it's still a very like like honest like since it's just still a very like you know that's kind of like you at your most vulnerable is your lyrics you mm -hmm. know so it's kind of kind of like to my style at least of what i want to say there's a lot of people that are very clever and like abstract and can write pop songs and that's not sure. me sure you know? yeah well, that's good yeah, <laughs> yeah. Embrace who you are absolutely yeah you talked a little bit earlier <clears throat> about uh challenging yourself i was thinking you'd you'd said previously in the past you're a bit unhappy with your album into the blue again and you'd said that um, that was kind of how it influenced the follow-up chorus of Storytellers. Would you say that any of Storytellers' shortcomings may be influenced between waves, or is this just an entirely different piece? It's just an entirely different piece. I, to be honest, didn't even listen... Um, didn't even listen to previous previous works, and now there's a couple bummers for me, or a couple couple songs that I would even skip and would not one thing that I did take into a huge account that was the length of the record I, mm. I, I did not want it to be although the the the, the accessible digital stream version of this record is 17 songs it's the, the deluxe version but mm -hmm. my my um, view of this record is what it is on CD and on vinyl which is 8 songs it's an 8 song record um, right. Storytellers was 12 songs um and in my opinion, four songs too many, um, you know, a lot of things like that. So um, that was something that I really, like, took a lot of um, thought, put a lot of thought into was, like, how many songs are on this record, what songs are on this record. Um, you know, my records typically start with some kind of quiet, like, you know, mood-setting kind of piece. Mm -hmm. It kind of morphs into, like, the next song, and they have some kind of arc and whatever, and I didn't want to do that this time. I wanted to just kind of come out with a bang and just kind of keep it interesting for as long as I could, um, you know, energetic, energy-wise, and kind of, you know. Um, but I didn't listen to my last record, um, or my last records. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, probably two or three years from now, I'm going to find some kind of something to complain about with this record, too. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, who knows. There's one song that we're not playing that, you know, it's kind of like, eh, it's a cool song, we can't figure out really how to, like, translate it and to where it feels good for us live like mm. just kind of like to present it in a way that feels like um because there's a lot of samples and a lot of things going on so it's mm. not doesn't feel like we're doing a whole lot when we're playing and that doesn't feel right you know because okay. like we try to do as much as possible 
when we're performing a song, yeah, you know, so, you know, we do use a computer, but the computer's really just playing beats and mm-hmm. kind of like some textures, and that's about it. We're playing everything on top of it, or, you know, so when it comes to, well, like, when it feels like the computer's doing too much, it just doesn't feel right, and we don't, we don't want to do that, you know, so we don't play that. Totally understand. Well, uh, living in such a busy and very artistic kind of central hub for, for artists such as Los Angeles, uh, and now, you, of course, you have a full family of a wife and two children, I can only imagine that you have so, so much to draw upon artistically. Do you ever yourself struggle with inspiration, though? Um, I used to. Not anymore. Um, but I definitely used to. I definitely used to... Uh, well, I mean, like, I, I don't know. You hit, like, a creative um, wall sometimes where, like, you're working on something and you can't do anything more with it. But I kind of feel like that's different than, like, not having inspiration because I have a, so much music that I'm, like, trying to figure out how to release just through the years of things that I just have always had. Mm-hmm. And specifically in the last, um, I'd say, four years um, since having, like, children, um it's become I've become more of a like disciplined kind of musician and work um, person um, meaning that like I now have a routine and it's not so like open-ended and it's not so like kind of like um, I don't know I guess when you're like and granted you, you, you can uh, anyhow my, my point is is like I I wake up I, you know, do do what I do in the morning with my kids and stuff like that, drive my son to school, come back, and I'm in my studio, you know, like, as a job, quote-unquote a job. So, like, from, like, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock until 5 p.m., like, those are my yeah. studio hours. I don't do much at night anymore, whereas I used to do everything at night, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now it's kind of like it took a long time to kind of adjust to that because all of a sudden you're forced to, like, I need to be creative within point A and B. Mm-hmm. And rather than like I'm sitting there eating dinner and I'm having an idea, hang on, let me go do that because that used to happen, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And nowadays it's like you're kind of kind of refocused to like this is my job and I do and I create and then, you know, things kind of spark that way. So I've almost become, you know, more, I've become more productive with having children in a weird way because there's also, it's very hard at the same time. Um, but yeah, I've become more productive because of it. That's great. Do you still find yourself sometimes just having a melody in your head at dinner time, for example? Do you have to bust out an audio recorder? And yeah, just, I mean, yeah. you have your phone. Just yeah, of course. Just, yeah, it's so just convenient. Throw it in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll beatbox some beats sometimes. And sure. Yeah, I have all silly kinds of things in my pocket. So. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. So you've uh, switched it up with this release, and you decided to release Between Waves on Relapse Records. Uh, this is a label that's primarily associated with rather dark, heavy metal bands. What made you decide to sign with Relapse, and can we expect you to do death metal growls on <laughs> LP7? <laughs> um, I've always had, like, from the beginning, I've always had, like, uh, a dream of, like, turning in a record with just a bunch of shredding over it, you know, just like as a separate <laughs> track, just like, hey, nice. check out my new record, all that kind of stuff. Maybe I'll do that to Relapse next time, but... Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, Relapse was... I mean, to be honest, in this day and age, like, you know, for instance, I was on Sub Pop for three records. Contract was up. You know, we both decided to do different things. Um, and to, to me, like, 
going to, you know, there's obviously there are so many labels like polyvinyl, domino, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, 4AD, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, to be perfectly, like, full disclosure, a lot of those labels just were not interested um, after being, you know, approached and and talked about. Um, and there was also kind of another thought for me of, like, thinking, like, coming from sub-pop, going to something lesser, it's kind of a bad look in a way, too. Mm-hmm. Or going to, like, just, like... Um, and this isn't a concrete example, but say like, you know, if I'm on sub pop and all of a sudden I just release a record and then I move over to like say polyvinyl or something like that. Um, it's just another indie label, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's really no kind of like, there's nothing interesting about that really, you know, not that polyvinyl wanted to put the record out, but, um, example being like, just kind of like this indie label to that indie label to this indie label. Mm -hmm. Um, and what relapse is doing um, well, first of all, and then Relapse. My manager works with a band called Red Fang, who are who are on Relapse. They're great, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And um, <coughs> coincidentally, um, the um, a VP of uh, Relapse or head of A and R. I think he's head of A and R. Um, I don't know why I don't know his official title because I haven't read the signature. But um, anyhow. <laughs> um, He's an old, old friend that used to put on um, DIY shows in Pittsburgh, um, uh, this venue called Mr. Roboto Project back in the early 2000s, late 90s. And my old band, Tristeza, um, used to play through there, and also Album Leaf's early tours would go through there. Anyhow, friendship established then. Um, turns out now he's at Relapse, um, and uh, coincidentally he also manages Kurt Vile. Um, so just kind of gives you right there just kind of a t- uh, background of his taste of music. You know, he's not just specifically a metal guy, you know, mm-hmm. being from Relapse. Um, and he's always had this vision of wanting to, excuse me, wanting to have Relapse kind of branch out and, like, bring in other things. So mm-hmm. that's kind of been his vision and quest, um, I think, in the last, like, year or so, um, with Album Leaf being an example, Survive being an, an example, um, Zombie, even Red Fang, they're not a typical metal band. You know, sure. they're kind of they're a rock band, yeah, but they're and they make more sense on Relapse than say Album Lift does. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, the point was is just like it just seemed cool, and it seemed like something cool and unique was kind of happening with that. And also, it seemed interesting to be like, oh, Album Lift with Relapse, like that in itself is like a conversation piece. You know, like what's going on? Let's, let's <laughs> talk about this record. You know, this is crazy. You know, so that it was all those different factors, and then they were passionately wanted the record and of all the people that we had spoken to and all the people that weren't interested or people that weren't you know like Meh, maybe you know, things like that dragging their feet um they wanted the record they were excited they you know and also they have they do great packaging which is important to me mm-hmm. um things like that so, i mean there's all the parts and pieces kind of just fell into place in a good way perfect you know? yeah beautiful uh, you touched also earlier a little bit on your live visuals and how they've been a, a big part of your touring and how now it's kind of changing. You're trying to do something different, which is fantastic. Uh, you've also additionally written numerous soundtracks to films just in the past years between the last record and this one. Have you yourself ever considered producing your own film to produce your own soundtrack? <laughs> um, no, no, I haven't. No, I, I cannot. I, I, I should say that I collaborate visually so i'm never responsible for what's happening behind um on on stage um and i collaborate for that so i mean visually i just don't or making a film it's not anything that i've ever it's ever spoken to me or it's not something i've ever been drawn to um 
I see things and I like it, or I and I can think of some imagery that I like, but I could never tell a narrative or tell a story or even like um, know how to shoot something. You know what I mean? Like the I don't know. I could take a photo and post it on Instagram and feel good about myself, but I'm not going to sure. like make. A f- <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? different. Yeah, of course, yeah, that's fair. Totally. Yeah, no okay. <laughs> well, you've had almost 20 years now to gain this massive following of dedicated fans worldwide, and uh, in many ways. I'd say you'd help expand or pioneer some genres, such as what people like to throw around post-rock, soundscapes, ambient music in general. Uh, how do you feel about just the labeling of music into genres? I know some artists have issues with their music being uh, being ascribed to a certain <coughs> label. Um, the only issue I have being ascribed with is post-rock, um, and I've talked about that a lot throughout, the, throughout my time. Um, just because I don't think... I, I don't know. I, my... my uh, that's <laughs> it drives me crazy because I I associate certain bands and a certain sound with with what is post rock mm-hmm. and um you know there's other bands that are lumped into the sound of or that are considered post rock that I just feel like it's you know maybe it's a good thing maybe I'm be just being I'm the one being the jerk because like it's kind of a broad term mm-hmm. in, in a sense of like like say say a band like uh, explosions in the sky. Sure. Quiet, loud, quiet, loud, quiet, loud. Pretty, mm-hmm. step on your distortion. Pretty, step on your distortion. <laughs> pretty, stop. Repeat for an hour and a half. There's there's the show, right? right. Um, then there's a band, say, like uh, Tortoise, you know, oh, yeah. who are considered post-rock. They are nothing like that. You know, yeah. They are um, very talented, like intricate, like do a lot of... Um, I'm not saying explosions in the sky is not talented. I didn't mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It's different. It's obviously it's different. It's, it's worlds different from Explosions in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Then bring in, say, a band like Cigarose, who is also considered post-rock. Right. Another band that is just worlds different, you know, than either of those two bands before. And I think even albumly from the things that I do, I don't sound like Cigarose. I have a song that Yonti sings on, sure, and I recorded a record in their studio, but I don't think it's a my. It sounds like Cigarose, you know. Right. Um, if, or I might have a little bit of an ode to Tortoise more so than any... Uh, anyhow, point is, is, like, there's four different, like, completely different sounding bands. So maybe it's a good thing that post-rock is kind of just, like, an all-encompassing, like, scooping it all in. But at the same time, I feel like it's... It's... I don't know. Like, I associate myself more with being an electronic artist, um, you know, much in the way that, like, Brian Eno was, disc- you know, considered an electronic artist. Absolutely. You know, that's kind of... I, that's... I borrow mostly or steal mostly from him, you know, in my time. That's that's who's been the most inspirational piece of the puzzle for me. So, you know, that's something that I kind of, that speaks to me more. So I feel, I, I'm more in touch with being, feeling like I'm an electronic artist. Um, but then again, there you go. There's another, like, term, electronic. <laughs> okay, cool. What do you kind of music you play? Electronic. Oh, like, right. no, not at all, yeah, you know. So then yeah. it's like, all right, well, hands up uh, and the, I don't know I don't know what I am like I'm sorry I think I'm electronic but you know a lot of people just associate electronic with you know drum and bass or just dance music you yeah know? so I don't know definitely maybe post rock is a good thing because it's kind of it, it covers a vast kind of like sound of things that are maybe not like so easily describable or easily categorizable so maybe I need to s- quit complaining and just 
don't know. I think you make <laughs> a lot the, of let sense. Let the trend go, you know, that, that's <laughs> been happening the last 20 years anyhow, so. I don't know. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's probably got new fans because people will just lump you into post-rock, but yeah. at the same time, no, it's it's good to yeah. have that distinction because you are, like you said, those those four groups are very, very different from each right. other, and yet they're all under that same kind of umbrella. Born so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, post-rock, the, the, the genre of post-rock, um, again, which is very broad, is very popular and huge in say Asia right now mm-hmm. like it's like a thing like they post rock oh yeah you know? so I just had a couple of shows I purely played just Japanese math rock and post rock bands oh awesome for, yeah for like Toe shows. and like Toe is yeah. in there yeah, yeah plenty of other ones too you know Nine Days Wonder and that kind of stuff too Nine Days Wonder They're I don't earlier, know earlier like oh okay 2000s but yeah played some other stuff that was from early 2000s, but I don't recall yeah. seeing that band. I played a lot of shows with Toe through the years. Oh, so yeah. jealous. Yeah, oh, they awesome. were here recently. I missed them. Yeah, I was so cool. sad. Yeah. <sighs> Did you get to see them? No. Oh, yeah. man. I, right I, I mean, too. to be honest, too, I have kids. I don't even go to shows anymore. I can, oh. you know, I understand that, like, why sometimes people don't come to my shows anymore because it's like you're <laughs> the same age as me. I understand, yeah. you know, you kind of just, like, things Kind of change. important children, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So speaking to yeah. the, uh, the nearly two decades of experience you've had, with all your many wonderful tracks from all your LPs, your singles, your soundtracks, the compilation work you've done, uh, you know, coming from you constantly being in the studio, is there ever any concern for burnout for you? Because, you know, as a fan of myself, I would not stand the idea of no more music coming out of you. That would be terrible. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm not burned out at all. Um, if anything, lately, the only thing I've really been burned out on is is kind of like, I mean, it's just going to sound weird, but I've kind of, kind of burned out on album leaf. Like, you know, because I feel like hmm. it's, um, I've built it up to like a, a, like a, like this kind of like place in, in, in that, that I, that I view it as like, I have to do this. It has to be that. Like, I want this show. I want to do this. I want to have all this like technical programming and, and like, you know, I spend like months like designing a show and like putting content together and like, how are we going to do it? And like programming lights and programming like the like the technical aspects of it i missed the like the old way of just like i don't know having a guitar plugging into an amp and like playing something beautiful um and so i kind of feel like i'm like trying to like keep up with this train that is not as powerful as it used to be um Hmm. in a way even though i'm trying to make it more um interest i don't know but anyhow i mean it's, it's been a long time and like this last tour that we did like it had been six years and we took six years off and it was kind of a kind of a like um like a lot of things have changed six years is a long time you know um to not kind of be uh, uh active i guess you know and for people to discover i mean like people have like so someone can have like could have gone through all of high school you know, in that time period, and mm-hmm. or all of college, or something like that, for example. Um, so it's, you know, I don't know, playing in certain, like, and then I, I've been kind of burnt on touring a little bit, too, like, I, I want to start touring in a different way, um, you know, and it's just, like, the things that I that I did in my 20s, um, as far as, like, the way that I toured then, like, just relentless, like, I didn't care if I was gone for six weeks, I didn't care if I was, like, on a, you know, sleeping in a hostel or on a floor or something, you know, just things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. so there's all these different aspects, like as I get older and as I like, um, you know, kind of like adjust to the lifestyle and and family life and just things that are more priority, um, you know, these times. And whereas like, you know, 
uh, example on this tour, we played in Lincoln, Nebraska. We actually, like, there was a lot of traffic during this time. Um, and also, it had been a long time, and our West Coast tour is already selling, like, you know, way better than our U.S. was. And we went right out after the record was out. So maybe that was wrong because the record wasn't hmm. kind of sitting there and marinating and, and, you know, being covered or whatever is like, or it had time to kind of circulate like as sure. much as it has by, by, by now, for example. Um, but anyhow, like there was a lot of touring or a lot of uh, traffic too. So like a lot of places where like we play in Asheville, North Carolina and Andrew Bird's playing down the street and Asheville's a very small town. So obviously our show was hurt because of that, mm. you know, turnout wise. Same thing. We played in Lincoln, Nebraska and there was like a, an emo <laughs> reunion show with Saves the Day <laughs> and uh, Coheed and Cambria. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, there we go. It's like, all right, cool. Well, there's like half of our crowd. If You know, you don't know, but I mean, it's like still, it's like, okay, there's another thing. We ran into that a lot. And so there was like some small crowds. And when you're playing like, when I know that I have like certain things and other priorities at home and like how lo- as long as I've been doing this and all the work that I've put in to like go there and play and say, said Lincoln, Nebraska for, you know, I mean, there was probably 75 people or something like that, but, like, it didn't, it just doesn't feel like, you know, like, I, I think I'm kind of past that, you know, like, I, mm. I I appreciated that all the people that were there that wanted to see the show and stuff, but at the same time, it's like, it's a hard thing to do, you know, to kind of go there mm-hmm. and, and just, like, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a touchy thing, you know, I mean, but to, to, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, it's like, I'm just kind of burnt out on, I guess maybe keeping up with the machines, you know, like with just kind of like with the trains of, of, of like what you're supposed to do these days, like how you're supposed to compete in this day and age with social media and every band and, you know, this oversaturated market, everybody's on tour, you know, you can write a song and release it in a day, you know, at home, not even leaving your bedroom yeah. and things like that, you know, so I'm just kind of burnt on that, I guess. But I'm always creating and I have a ton of music and thinking of other projects and thinking of other things I can do and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm not going anywhere, but, like, I, I, and at the same time, I don't want to start over, you know, because that's even worse, probably. But, mm. like, yeah, we'll just see, you know. I have ideas and different kind of things that I want to do in the future, but, um, no, I'm not going to stop making music anytime soon. <laughs> okay. It'll just maybe be in a different form. Yeah. So other yeah. side projects, perhaps, um, do you think you'd ever return maybe to the days of old with Tristeza, something like that? I, I, yeah, I, um, I work, we are coming up on our 20 year anniversary of our first seven inch, um, came out in 97. So there's talk of us doing a short run of shows, oh, next wow. year, which would be fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not in stone, but, um, but yeah, there's talk of it. Great. Sure. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that, and of course, all the yeah. other musical projects that I'm sure are just be kind of swirling around in your head. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any words of advice for those who might be struggling to start their <laughs> own, particularly solo music project? Um. Uh, I don't know. I mean, t- t- the most annoying. Th- I, I mean, I don't know if this is so much advice, but maybe it is. I mean, just like be like. It sounds silly, but like be true to you. Like, don't, <laughs> don't be, don't do anything that is not true to you, essentially. I see so many people that kind of, and maybe that's the artist side of things, like people that kind of like reinvent themselves every here and there, mm. um, but it just doesn't feel genuine. And I feel like if you're not playing music that's genuine to you, if you're not creating music that's genuine to you, then it shows and it just feels fake. And I don't know, maybe 
maybe that's why I'm still where I'm where I am because I haven't ever been fake. <laughs> 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 um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. It's just tough. Overall, it's just tough. Like, I couldn't imagine like starting from scratch in this day and age now and trying to mm-hmm. like make a splash and trying to like get above the rest, you know? Because there's like I said, it's so saturated. There's so many bands. There's so many things. Um, but I feel like if 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 if, if it's if you're doing things that are genuine, if you're doing things that are true, then then it sh- it should it should get a little bit, you know, it should get some steam going. Great. I mean, that's really all I can say. I don't know. All right. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're coming off of a, a long stint across Europe. You're going to be now m- waking, making your way up the West Coast, and then you're soon going to be headed across the pond to Asia. Do you have any final words for all of your fans worldwide? Um, I mean, everything's been, I mean, it's been awesome to be back and to be just as much as I might sound like I complain about certain things, like I'm, <laughs> so I'm very like happy that this has had the lifespan and the, you know, that it has, I, I did not um, ever imagine or think that, you know, here I am almost 40 years old and I'm still playing the same under the same moniker that I started when I was 18, you know? So <laughs> that's just kind of incredible right there. And that's thanks to fans completely. And thanks to people that, you know, that I've been able to reach out to and, and people who have supported me and labels that have supported me and, uh, you know, fans that come out for shows. Like, you know, that's why we've been to Europe and been to Asia and because there's people there that want to see us. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a big, huge thanks. <laughs> totally. Great. All right. And perhaps most importantly, ice cream or cake? Ice cream. What kind of ice cream? I, uh... I can quickly say ice cream. Okay. But I could put as far as what kind. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Rocky Road. Classic. Yeah. Anywhere I, particular from? Um, like well, it used to be called thrifty. Exactly, it used to be called oh, thrifty, yeah. and now it's right <laughs> Um Yeah, or even just old, good old fashioned dryers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even then they're different, like uh, image image changes of their of their of their cartons or their pints or their quarts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good old, yeah, dryers has been great, but yeah, nothing, to me, nothing beats, I know there's like fancy like Ben and Jerry's and like mm. a Cold Stone, if you even call that ice cream, <laughs> I had it like twice, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Anyhow, because um, I'm a pure, I'm like ice cream purist, you yeah. know, like I'm definitely like, I mean, even like chocolate malted crunch too, if you're talking thrifties, then you probably know chocolate malted mm-hmm. crunch as well. Um, so <laughs> good man, good man, yeah, totally, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much. This has been, uh, of course, My Name Marmar with The World Without Words. We were joined in studio by Jimmy from the album Leaf. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Best of luck, of course, tonight at your show. We'll be there uh, supporting you all along the way, both in studio and uh, outside. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.